Welcome to Arcade Attack. A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Welcome again to Arcade Attack. I'm your host for today, Rob, and around me are Adrian. I'm here, baby. And Keith. Greetings. And Dill. Hello, I'm here. And today we're going to be talking about a version of a game that's thought by many to be the most widely played game of all time. What? What? A game that's so good, we've already established an Arcade Attack, it's almost as good as Candy Crush Soda Saga. Tetris. Yes. (laughs) What? Tetris? Tetris, don't you remember? Oh, I love Tetris. <laughs> yeah, it was on the Controversial listen. Opinions pod. Yeah, you said you hated Tetris. <laughs> I didn't say I hated <laughs> You Rob said Candy Crush was better than Tetris. Rob that was said Rob. I hate Tetris. No, I not. I hate people Candy who Crush like Tetris. Itself. Well, oh. And but, I said I loved Mario. That was that one, wasn't it? But yeah. today yeah. we're going to be talking about um, a certain iteration of the Tetris culture called the CTWC. Does anyone know what the CTWC stands for? No. Uh... The Cool Town, I don't know, Razzo something Kids. Tetris World Championship. Oh, so close! Yeah, the, something because the S, the Keith, the Community Tetris World Championship, the classic Tetris oh, World oh, Championship, <laughs> uh, which has actually become one of the like main retro gaming tournaments uh, around the world. Maybe the most celebrated, in fact. Oops, didn't know about it. <laughs> <laughs> well. We do now. S- well, strap in and sit back. <laughs> <laughs> we're in for a rocky ride. <laughs> That's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we get on to that, maybe a brief history of Tetris. Uh, for though, I'm going to guess everyone around me and everyone, every single person Ooh. listening has played Tetris and knows uh-huh. yeah, how it, it goes. Uh, basically, the game was invented in 1984 by a guy called Alexei uh, Pajitnov. An artificial intelligence researcher working for the Soviet Academy of Sciences Computer Center. And um, anyone want to take a guess? Any, you'll never guess it, but does anyone know what the Tetris pieces are actually called? Tetraminos. Yes. Boom. Sorry. <laughs> Say that again. Tetraminos. Tetraminos. Do you know uh, why they're called Tetraminos? Because Mark on Peep Show said it one time. <laughs> <laughs> Peep Show. Very good. Um... Apparently, the game is based on a Greek game called Pentaminos, where you have to arrange 12 differently shaped pieces to fit together. They're called Pentaminos because their shapes made up of five connected squares. Tetris reduces that to four, making Tetraminos. Every box got four squares then? Yes, every... Every like uh, piece in Tetris made up has four, four squares, no, squares fitted together. No, not the cross, because that's five, wouldn't it be? 
No, it's three, and then the middle one has one sticking yeah, up. Yeah, because you never, you never get the full cross, do you? Yeah, it's you one, two, you three. You rotate one. it around. Oh, yeah. You don't the T-square. The T-square. <laughs> the T-square. Yeah. Oh. Oh, Adrian looks... <laughs> Adrian looks crest Mine's blown. He's never, never Sorry, counted mate. them before. So, uh... Yeah. All yeah. right, fair enough. Four, yeah. So, Pajanov ports the game to the PC two or three years later and reaches the US in 1987. First on the PC and then the Amiga and Commodore 64 the following year. Who owns the rights to Tetris at this point? Nintendo. Nope. No, the Russian government, right? Correct. Oh. Boom. Sorry, I, Mundo. I know a little bit. I know a little bit about Tetris. Yeah. Uh, they licensed it to Atari for the arcade version and Nintendo for the console and portable games. That's pretty amazing. Are you going to talk the about Soviet the Soviet uh, Union were making money out of Tetris? It, the fabled Mega Drive version later. No, uh, but we can do that another time. We're talking about the championships, Adrian. Oh, Come the on. incredibly rare uh, mm. Mega Drive version. Yeah, yeah, it's a good story, isn't it? But that could be another pod? Yeah, it can be another pod. Maybe. Um, anyway, 1989 com- comes out on the Game Boy and the NES. Uh, both very successful. Game Boy version sells 35 million copies, which Oof. is huge now, obviously, does but that in- staggering back then. Does that include the boxed-in ones? I can only assume yes. Yeah. Mm. But, uh, you know, the NES version, also very successful. People don't really kind of credit the NES no, version. I haven't actually seen a NES Tetris in the wild. Oh, I've, I've, used, really? I've played it, yeah. I haven't um, seen it. I haven't seen s- it. According to Wikipedia, it sold f- almost 5.6 million copies, which puts it, anyone want to guess what position on the all-time biggest-selling NES games? Well, with 4 million copies. Ne- 5.6 million. Sorry, 5 million copies. Or world-selling games. Top 10. Top 5. Um, number 6. Oh, six. Number 6. Okay. So below Mario and Mario Three, and probably at least one Zelda game. So I Tetris heard... is Tetris is number one. No, no, it's no, no, it's number six. Number six for the NES. Oh, for the NES. Oh, duh. Sorry. I yeah, heard duh. I heard they'll sell more, but they kept putting the blocks together, all the, the stock, and they would vaporize lines. So they had to. Ah. Re- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I laugh. Don't worry. That was a tumbleweed <laughs> rolling by. <laughs> anyway, those come out in 1989, very successful. And the following year, 1990, you have the Nintendo World Championships. Which oh, yes. I'm sure we will cover in greater depth at a later mm-hmm. date. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Dylan, since you know what the Nintendo World Championships is, can mm. you... What is it? It basically was like around the America tournament thing, and they had a, they had a compilation cart, didn't they, that had... Some games on it. I, it escapes me now. Yes, um, that is correct. Nintendo World Championships is basically like the film The Wizard. Yeah. Is that The Wizard? Yeah. Except without a female character in. <laughs> Ooh, oh, yeah. And these, if you get a cartridge now, they're worth bazillions. Is that right? Um, Tens of thousands because video, video game New York mm. have one. So there were them. 90 made and given to contestants. Another 26 are made as gold-colored editions and one by Nintendo Power Readers. Um, it is... Thought to be the most valuable NES cartridge ever. Mm-hmm. Sold one of them sold for more than fifteen thousand yeah. dollars. <sighs> I think it's one of the most expensive games ever. I think for sure, a, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's up there with the holy grail of all video games. Would you actually risk putting it into a NES and playing it? Yes, you I bought would. It, but like, like, <laughs> oh, I want to play the games on it, but it's fifteen grand. So probably <laughs> and they let you hold pass. it, didn't they, Dylan? In that, and you dropped it and you broke it. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I've been ba- I've been exiled now. But yeah. And essentially the format for this was, as you were saying, they would go around America to different places. What people games would... were on the original one? Have you got a list there? Yes, I do. Okay. And um but basically like they would have these like they set up this big kind of thing everywhere you went, banks of screens, kids getting oh. high scores competing against each other, and if you were 
if you you won like your original thing, you'd go to the uh, the main tournament at Universal Studios in Hollywood. Nice. Sounds amazing. It is actually yeah. just like the end of the Wizard. The kids face off a, against each other. And like was it a one-off thing? Like one yeah. year they did this. Um, I or? think they might have done a couple oh, later yeah. on. There was a, a SNES, there was a SNES one. I think there was another NES one as well. I think it was oh, free right. free in total. But the first one was the biggest. And when when was that? Sorry, did you say nineteen ninety? Nineteen ninety. Anyway, um, as Dill was saying, there was a special cartridge, and you basically had to play Super Mario Brothers and Rad Racer and Tetris, and you had to get fifty coins in Super Mario, finish the first level of Rad Racer. And then spend the rest of the time getting as high a score as possible in Tetris. Uh, now, if you look at the format of this, um, Rad Racer points are multiplied by 10, and Tetris points by 25. So Tetris is already the center point of the, of the tournament. Mm. And there are three age groups, 11 and under, 12 to 17, and 18 and over. And the grand winners from each group ended up facing off against each other to crown an actual overall champion. Mm. And the overall winner was a th- 14-year-old called Thor Akerlund, Thoikland. Yeah, who, you know the name? I've heard the name, yep. yes. Where, be- where, where is he now? Well, sorry, I keep, <laughs> I keep, I keep bazingering your, your podcast, sorry. And he becomes like a very minor league celebrity for a couple of years, but then pretty much disappears. Obviously, <sighs> yeah. you can imagine it's kind of a short shelf life for that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So, fast forward about 20 years or so to 2010, and a guy called Adam Cornelius starts making a documentary that follows... Or that kind of seeks out the greatest Tetris players in the entire world. The film's called The Ecstasy of Order. It's actually available online. You've got to, like, just Google Ecstasy of Order. Mm. You get to the website. You can I've already it. ordered it. I've, I'm by the computer. I've already ordered it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you can rent it for, I think, £3, $3 or whatever. Oh, damn it. I just bought it. Okay, that's fine. No, that's fine. <laughs> and initially focuses on this guy called Robin Mahara, who came third in the 12 to 17 category in, in the Nintendo World Championships. He's tracking down the best players in the entire world to face off against each other, who is the greatest NES Tetris player in the entire world. And um, basically, at, at the, that point in time, 2010, there are two seemingly imp- impossible aims for NES Tetris players. To get the maximum score of 999,999, at which point the score effectively stops, won't go any higher. Mm. Wow. That's called a max out. And to reach the mythical level 30... Basically, if, as anyone who plays Tetris knows, the high, the more lines you mm-hmm. get, the more the, the upper levels, levels you get to. Yeah. Mm. Once you get to level 19 on the NES, the speed really ramps up. Mm. And every 10 lines you, you actually achieve, you go up another level. Mm. And when you get to 290 lines, you get to level 29 and basically the kill screen. Like, speeds get to a point where it is impossible to maneuver the pieces properly. Mm-hmm. And, like, at that point... You're like, just guessing, aren't you? You'd yeah. just be, like, just pressing yeah. left or right. You're just guessing. Yeah. Pe- basically, people have got to level 29, the kill screen, and people are like, can you get to level 30? Is it possible? Um. Well, at 2010, like, the general thought was no. Like, basically, um, when the docu- like, documentary basically starts with Robin getting in touch with all these people and they're interviewed by the documentary makers, he finds them through Twin Galaxies. Oh, Twin Galaxies. Yep. The online high score yeah. kind of website. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're basically a nice bunch, slightly weird, but, you know, <laughs> but, you know, like very kind of affable. A lot of them talk about getting into it when they were kids through their parents. Um, at that point, Ben Mullen is a record holder for like actual lines. 296. Mm. So he actually got six lines on the kill screen. Whoa. That's 
mad. Yeah, and he's like, his, he just comes across like a, a typical 80s movie nerd. <laughs> like, like, he looks him. and sounds like an 80s movie nerd. Like, he just got married to this lovely woman who fell in love with him when he taught her how to solve a Rubik's Cube. Oh. <laughs> and, but he said that when he was a kid, he used to write down everything he did before or while playing so he could, he could like work out what is my optimal conditioning for playing Tetris. Oh, oh wow. wow. That's actually a really good <laughs> tip for any esport, esporters, esport gamers out there. Yeah. <laughs> Free tip there from us. Free tip. Yeah, like some of these other people, it's a really kind of, you know, I could say kind of engaging bunch. Dana Wilcox is Californian, like kind of beach blonde woman who's number five in the world for points at this point. In one of the best moments of the entire film, she reveals she had no idea you could turn the pieces in more than one direction. <laughs> Which is a bit like becoming a world-class professional footballer while only using your right yes. foot. <laughs> I couldn't kick them my left foot. Okay. Uh, fair play to her. I only used to rotate it clockwise. I never used to bother pressing the other button. Yeah. So, yeah, fair play to her. Uh, Jesse Kelkar um, just comes across as probably the most ordinary person, just like this kind of really ordinary woman, like kind of lives at the family home. Mm. Second all-time for lines at this point, and was first until, like, Ben Mullen actually got, like, the kind of, that 296. Like, uh, ben! Um, ben! Harry Hong, like, pretty intense young guy, like, puppy fat and spiky hair. He used a towel when he plays, so it's like, for his what? fingers don't slip. Oh, to keep his hands dry. Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought he said the power glove for a minute. Give That's <laughs> another good tip for, for what, East Wear power games. gloves. Power glove don't and dry hands. forget to bring a towel. <laughs> the power glove record is probably 10 lines <laughs> yeah can you imagine two <laughs> two lines and like this guy Ben like talks about seeing Harry posting scores and you know dismissing him as being too far below so Harry keeps practicing all the time and getting better and better until he becomes the first person ever to record a max out score he gets the 999,999 no kind of points impossible they talk to him and he's like he expects to win this he's Ooh. in it to win it he's uh, up there, but at this point he's one of two players to have got the max out. The other being a guy called Jonas Newbauer. He's engaged in dork with like a wispy goatee who claims he maxed out first, but didn't actually have it on film. Mm. Oh. <laughs> you got to film it, man. I totally maxed out, dude. You got to, <laughs> you got to film. Should have been there. You got to film every attempt, man. But he, he did get it recorded shortly afterwards. He talks about how you know you can't be a perfectionist and be good at Tetris. You have to be messy. Uh, um, I can kind of get that. Like you can't kind of go for perfects every time. You kind mm. of have to compromise. You got to dig. You got get. You got to dig in. You get stuck in. I'm just terrible at Tetris. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm just. It's me not. Too. I quite like the game, but it's mm. too frantic for me, and I get flustered, and I yeah. probably get to level two, and I give up. <laughs> I'm quite happy to enter a tournament if it's just me and Adrian. I think I've got a good chance there. <laughs> <laughs> can you get past level two though, Dill? <laughs> uh, push. Some other people like in the, in the documentary, Alex Kerr is a skinny computer science student with like lanky hair who actually came to the game through Tetris Grandmaster, the, oh. uh, Japanese arcade game. Who's, he's one of only 30 people at this point in the world to attain Grandmaster status by competing Tetris the Grandmaster 2. Do you know what you have to do to actually get Grandmaster status? Um, this is so cool. Wait. You have to wear a hat and do it, <laughs> play it upside down. <laughs> you have to survive one minute of high speed play with an invisible stack. Huh? Where the pieces become invisible once they land. What? So you what? have to memorize where the pieces are. Yes. So if you survive, you survive sorry, a minute. Yes. While the, the grandmaster. He's only oh. one of 30 people to ever achieve oh. that at this point. I'd love to have a crack at that. Yeah. Can, he's, like, he's like in his early 20s. How do you, how do you play that version teams? of the game? It's an arcade just, game. 
Oh, okay. Sorry. So you got... see the blocks come down, but as soon as they land, they disappear. That's if you've got photographic memory. Yeah, but or if you can draw on your TV screen, you can maybe make little squiggles. <laughs> you could draw on screen. <laughs> on screen. Yeah. Hopefully not with a permanent marker I'm on an arcade machine. No way. That's how he did it. Isn't it permanent marker. <laughs> and you know, like to uh, to kind of complete the group, you got this guy called Matt, Bu- Matt Buco, third all-time points. Gregarious guy, like a white t-shirt and aviator sunglasses, who. Kind of says up front, I have no chance of winning. Oh, fair play. But he you just know, turns like, up. He's, yeah. he's like, and this guy called Trey Harris, and he basically looks like a nerdy, a longer necked version of Matt. Like, <laughs> you know, but just a, a, a kind of nice group. And like, what I think this documentary is really good at is all these people kind of come together and they're so happy to see each other. It really kind of captures that early internet era of things where you join these communities mm. and like you'd be communicating for yeah. years and you actually meet each other in person. That's cool. It's like to, tonight, the first time we've ever met each other, isn't it? Yeah, we've, we, we, we've always done this remotely, <laughs> haven't yeah. we? That's yeah. what Dylan looks like. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the great whale of the story is obviously Thor Ackland himself, mm. who seems to have effectively become semi-reclusive, um, actually has a touching story to tell. They send him an with a copy of Tetris so he can practice. And he, he sa- tells them that <clears throat> once he starts playing again, he gets a maximum score and got to level 30. Whoa. But he won't actually provide any videotape. Oh, oh. Thor. But um, he does actually turn up to compete. And, um, you know, like, so you basically have this kind of lineup of kind of people competing and playing Tetris. What is competition style Tetris play? How do you score big? How do you get the big points? You've got to make them Tetrises, man. You've got to make them Tetrises and lots of them. And the best way to do that is to create what they call a well, a long column where the mm-hmm. long bar can just be dropped in as soon as it comes on screen mm-hmm. to get a Tetris. Yep. Where's the best place to have the well? Where on screen? Smack bam in the middle, baby. No, I always go to the, put the sticker to the left. You're both wrong. It's officially the right-hand side. Huh? What? Because it's something to do with frames. Apparently you get an extra frame to drop it in if you have a smack um, bang on the right. I did not know It's a bit this. sneaky. Yep. Oh, so from where it drops on the screen, it's not perfectly in the middle. So it's so when when the tetramino comes, you've got a bit more time if you stack everything to the right first and then put the no if you stack four, everything to the left and the wells you on leave the, right. the wells oh, to the, well, the right ah yeah. the wells on the right oh I don't know the mechanics but apparently that's the case oh that's what I meant that's what I do that's what I meant okay good because I'm just naturally I don't know just kind of always sync that way and then I leave the gap to on the right but Woo-hoo. obviously but obviously at the same time you also have to make sure you don't get too high up. Because if you hit a long bar drought, which, you know, like, it happens, you can get, like, 20, 30, occasionally mm. 40 pieces without, like, a long bar, then it only takes one piece to be accidentally misplaced and you're screwed. It's game, it's over. game over. Rob, man, it, is it all random? The box comes down random, so you never know quite. It's not a pattern, is it? Is that fair? Yes, that is fair. And um, in the NES version, you only see one piece ahead. You've basically got, yeah. like, the next piece on the right. Newer versions mm. of Tetris, you can actually see up to three pieces ahead. Yeah, that's useful. And the other big thing is, new versions, you can change your mound once they land. NES version, uh-uh. Once yeah, as soon gets... as they touch, that was it, wasn't it? Yep. Was the NES... The Game Boy one, yeah. you, can, you, can, you can spin you can it kind spin of it while it's... When it's still it, settling. Yeah. 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 But but it, this is, you're talking about the NES championship The now. NES mm. one is... That's more hardcore. When it's, when it's down, it's down. So you can't do that, that kind of cheeky little kind of sneaking in the... Oh, you can. Oh, can, can you not? You know when you've got, you've got the L shape... And you've got the the sort of the heavy bit at the bottom. You can't do that. And if you've got like a gap there, you can't like let it drop and then shuffle it across to the left. You can, but your timing has to be exact, like microsecond. It was exact. quite for, it's quite forgiving, I think, on the Game Boy because you've got a bit of time to oh, it's down and then uh, and then it's across. 
Well, I think when you're playing these high speeds, it becomes Mad. very, very difficult. And, um, you know, they actually kind of get together to play this tournament. It's played on proper old school NESs and square cathode ray tube TVs. CRTs, bro. And the action is projected onto a big screen above the competitors. Cool. Is there, a, is there like an audience there as well? There Ooh. was an audience in this film, yes. And the commentating was done by a guy called Chris Tan, who was a video game champion since he won a Super Mario contest in the 80s and went on to become Sega World Champion in the mid-90s. Wow. wow. He's pretty good at video games. <laughs> yeah. He's very good at video he games. He couldn't beat us, though. We're the best. <laughs> yeah, with our level two in Tetris. Sure. <laughs> now, uh, if you're listening and you don't want spoilers for the film before you watch it, you can uh, pause the episode right here. Um, go to XTC of Order, like the website, download it, watch the movie, come back to what we're saying here. But um, if you don't care about any of that, I can tell you who won right now. <gasps> oh, no, don't tell oh. me. I want to pause it. Let me oh. watch the video. We're all screwed because we have to listen. Go on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jonas beats Harry in the final. And the biggest score in the tournament, oh. like kind of Jones. multiple like kind of rounds, is 530,000, which is mm. oh. far, far bigger than I think any of us could get. Oh, yeah. That's but... a very, very big score. It's not max out, though, dude. Yeah. Well, no, but I mean, like, <laughs> this is a point where only two people in history have ever got a max out. <laughs> And, um, <clears throat> so yeah, that's, you know, the first ever tournament. I'm not going to kind of get on to the other kind of stuff. I would recommend, you know, watching it. It's actually, a, you know, great yeah. kind of thing. I'm not going to tell the story about Thor Eckland or mm. what happens there, but Can it is. Repeat what the documentary is called again, Rob. Sorry. It's called The Ecstasy of Order. The Ecstasy of Order. Because I, I read the other day there was, there was a similar documentary. I haven't seen it about the best Street Fighter, uh, player. I think that they had to track down this mythical, I think it might be a Japanese player, but they had to go very far into Japan to find him. And it's quite, I, I haven't seen it, but I think there's a similar sort of uh, documentary there as well. So okay. I'll have to try and find a bit more about that, actually. But that sounds interesting. Yeah. So um, anyway, like this kind of documentary comes out the following year in 2011, and they also have another tournament in 2011. In fact, it's been an annual thing ever since then, the Classic Tetris World Championship. And um, by 2012, it moves to its current home, the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Which oh, we yes. should. Yeah, I've heard of yeah. this one. Yeah, it's quite big. Yeah, let's have a class trip there at some point. But <laughs> uh, yes, please. <laughs> Can we pretend we're Tetris champions and try and get a free ticket? Do you reckon they let us? No, they are qualifiers. Oh. oh yeah. Um, it's in late October, so fairly recent, and you know Chris Tang is effectively the, effectively the voice of of CTWC. He commentates on that, like. It's a very famous catch. Well, I say very famous in this context. <laughs> there are t- it's t-shirt famous. His uh, catchphrase is, boom, Tetris for Jeff, or Tetris for whoever's playing. Okay. Tetris for Rob. Tetris for Keith. <laughs> boom, yes. Boom. Tetris for Dill. You didn't say boom, <laughs> Keith. Huh? You meant to say boom. Go no, say boom. Someone else said boom. Oh, right. Uh, finished it off. He's clever. Yeah, he is clever. <laughs> he's the brains. He's a genius. And um, a lot of the people who are in that initial documentary end up filling out subsequent tournaments. Like, they actually come back and they're, like, at the top of there. But in- interestingly, as far as I know, neither of the women who were featured in the initial players have competed. Mm. And we want to try and hazard a guess why, you know, it might be... It might be less women kind of coming back to that yeah. with a, a guess that doesn't alienate uh, so a big portion of my I think the championship is tetris as in sexist? Yeah. No. Sexist. No, that Tetris. was a bad joke. Sorry. Yeah. You, Keith's shaking his head, but I, <laughs> I, I applaud the effort. I applaud the Anyone want to kind of have some why theories? Why they weren't there? Um, About why women in general don't kind of compete in these tournaments. Like, they just get too much abuse from guys? Well, 
I think partially it's because uh, women's partners are less tolerant of this kind of thing. I think it's considered less impressive socially what? for women. To, I don't. Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, no, yeah. for women to be a high achiever, like in a really niche area like this. Mm. I mean, in the film, it's quite noticeable that Jesse's husband just isn't featured really at all, while Donna's partner seems to be at best, you know, pretty ambivalent about the whole thing. Those guys need to. One of them is a stick. Only one of them is a guy. They both both of both partners need to take the stick out of their butt. I think part of that, and I think or the also, Tetris block out of their butt. <laughs> <laughs> Tetramino, Tetramino, Tetris block. And I think like part, and again, I'm just spitballing, but I think maybe the other reason is perhaps that women just feel uncomfortable in those cultural arenas that are heavily tilted toward, like you know, male nerds. I mean, whatever you think about the CTWC, there's no argument that it's not heavily, you know, kind of it grouped in that. I, I can in that I can direction. Kind of yeah. well. And, you know, very often a place where men are an overwhelming majority and there is a high proportion of social awkwardness that can be <laughs> quite putting. I mean, you know, with all the world in the world. I'd be put by that if I was you know, a woman does, going into that situation. And I say this despite the fact it seems, you know, like I'm not part of it, but it seems like a very open, very friendly community. Mm. It's still there is that awkwardness, isn't there? But unfortunately, but well, you know, I mean, le- probably less so now because everyone knows each other and everyone's kind of been doing mm. this for years. But uh, as I say, for years, there have been many mm. tournaments since. Um, subsequent tournaments, do you think Tetris is something that's relatively... Do you think it's competitive at the top, like where people are... Everyone's constantly improving, there's like give and take and back and forth? Or do you think it's an arena where one player can pretty much dominate for a, lo- a kind of a lengthy mm. period of time? I don't know, because mm. something like Tetris doesn't really evolve, does it? It's just... It's just what it is. So people have their own techniques and stuff. Mm. I suppose the guys will, with the best techniques will always be at the top and everyone else will be kind of scratching around after them, won't Well, they? they'll always be like kind of prime players. But I mean, do you think it's, it's an arena where one person will dominate or do you think it goes no, back and forth? I think it does year? go back and forth because you, it depends how you are. <laughs> Which was the guy uh, that said uh, it's about what time of the day and what he's doing that maximizes? That was, yeah, Ben. Muller. Ben, right? So if you're not, if you turn up to this tournament and say, like, you know, you've 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 had a kebab home. the yeah, night before, you've been at home. part of your routine, Co- couple of beers, yeah. Domino's of Mr. Pizza, <gasps> yeah, you know, something like Imagine that has that. happened. That's going to put you off your game, isn't it? So mm. it's all about your condition at the time. I, I reckon it does. I don't think it's dominated. I reckon by, maybe there's like a couple of rivalries between. It's about reflexes as well, isn't it? You have your yeah. body has to be in good condition, to be primed for it. Yeah, to be yeah. primed for it. Uh. I don't know, really. I reckon I'd rather <laughs> watch something like Super Monkey Ball Championships. <gasps> That'd be pretty yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, but do you think it's competitive or not? <laughs> Answer the question. It's yes, compet- I do. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I should be in the next competition because I'm the best at Tetris. <laughs> Rebel 2. Well, I'm afraid, uh, as it turns out, all three of you are kind of wrong. There's one been one player who's dominated. Oh, okay. Uh, the first winner, Jonas, ended up oh. winning... I, let me think. Uh, basically, six of the first seven years. Wow. He, and wow. yet the seventh he lost in the final to Harry Hong, the guy who he beat in uh, the first final. That's nice. pretty phenomenal. 2014. That's pretty phenomenal. What, what? So it's like Djokovic then, basically, for a few years, isn't it? Um, well, like Pete Sampras, I think, in oh, his Sam, time yeah, in the early 90s at Wimbledon. Yeah. He's Sampras. Pete Sampras tennis champ should be quite good, isn't it? No one would watch that. Ooh, great. Big serves and, like, baseline play again. Um, basically, like, in the actual film, a guy is not one of the main people, but he says that the people gathered together today, like, here, are going to shatter the conception of what can be done in Tetris. Whoa. 
And in hindsight, he was kind of right. Like, if you look at kind of the scores, um, it keeps on ramping up. Every, like, keeps on getting higher and higher mm. every single year. 2017, Jonas hits maybe his peak, like, kind of hits a new peak in the final against the long-haired guy, Alex Kerr. You remember we were saying, like, 530,000 was the high score in the first tournament? In the first game, Jonas is, like, they have a best-of-five final, mm. which Jonas wins 3-0. First game, he's 164,000 points down just before the transition to level 19 when it gets really fast. But once pace accelerates, he starts hitting Tetris after Tetris. And every level he gets up, higher score for each Tetris. Manages to chase Alex down to take the first game with a 743,000 score. Whoa. That's mad. That's crazy. Another thing is that Tetris is random. Like, the the, the blocks and things that, that are generated is random. So... How does he stay on top, and you know how does he mitigate against that that randomness? That's mad. Well, they're kind of overall strategies I think people use. Like um, one of the interesting His strategy must be very, very, very bloody good. They've actually kind of play in this kind of new version they've kind of engineered, where if you pl- you play against each other, like to go through like the next round, it's like a knockout kind of thing. Mm. Um, but you both get the same pieces. All right. Yeah, that that's interesting. Sense. Yeah. Anyway, like second score, he chases him down again with a 734,000 score, finishes on level 27, and basically like, man, really high stuff. But, um, like, it's kind of interesting because, and one kind of, I said like the standard's gone way high up. Mm. Um, anyone want to take a guess? Because standard's skyrocketed the past like two or three years. Anyone want to take a guess at what a big factor in that might have been? Ooh, I think the prize money, so more practice maybe. Yeah, prize money? Not prize money. Uh, new development in gaming in general has become big in the last two or three years. Uh, yeah, but you're still using NES controllers, aren't you? Yeah. But surely you're using the... It wouldn't change if you're using the same tech. I mean, in terms of the wider gaming uh, culture. Uh, esports? Close. Twitch. Twitch! Ah. <laughs> Classic Tetris has become like a thing on Twitch. Uh, and if you're a big streaming. player... People stream in Twitch all the time. People stream and they have their own channels. And obviously, if you can kind of see your competitors doing ah. like that, that drives you to become more competitive. You pick oh. up tips, that kind of thing. And uh, basically, the standard man, like I said, it got, it got a reached a new peak in 2017. 2018, which has just taken place, it was insane. <laughs> like, kind of to give you um idea, like, of uh, the run-up to the tournament, there's a qualifying round where players compete to make, like, to actually get an automatic place in the finals and to work out their seeding. And um, only one player in the 2017 qualifying actually managed to hit a max out while they were kind of doing this online. This year, five players did. Wow, four that's them, mad. Four of them hit more than one. That's mad. Oh, That's mad. I are suppose these... you just got to find the people, haven't you? Like those those guys are out yeah. there because things like Twitch and that. Yeah, you're gonna find those guys. Mm. That's mad. Yeah, like I mean, you basically have the same people who've been playing it for like twenty, you know, twenty five years and yeah. are getting better and better. But at the same time, 2018 is notable because all of a sudden there are kids coming in who've got into classic Tetris through these videos and it's actually crazy. on YouTube wow. or on kids Twitch are in the Tetris. and wanted to have a go. I love it. And uh, basically, like, kind of coming into. The, the actual kind of finals, you have probably about maybe up to 10 people who have an outside chance of actually actually winning it. You have Harry Hong, who's like, again, first player to hit like a, a max out score. First player, once they actually got, you can get a Game Genie card, which gets rid of the um, the automatic high score. Oh, Keeps on tracking it. Does it? Oh. <clears throat> yeah, and he was the first 
person to hit 1.2 million points. What? That is just madness. Yeah. Renown also being the fastest player in these competitions, like just, you know, holding it down so you Why get more points. Why did they do the Game Genie thing before? The Game Genie's been out as long as the, as long as the NES. I don't know whether it's, um, they, it just wasn't available to them, whether it was rare, or maybe they kind of, it was a new kind of coding kind interesting, of thing. interesting, because if you like, those guys who maxed it out back in them days, mm. if they would have got more than, yeah, be interesting, there was a million. higher score that mm. was never mm. tracked. Yeah, possibly. But anyway, like, he's kind of always been known as the fast, renowned as the fastest player, but he's now kind of got a strategy where he goes slower, and it seems to be kind of being rewarded for it. He's kind of hitting higher scores in competition in the run-up to this. Oh, you know. Uh, the, then you have, the like... Turtle, turtle always wins the race against the, the, the hair, doesn't it? Well, traditionally in this, yeah, like, um, the slower players have done better. You have, like, Koji Nishio, the number one seed, also known as Korean, Japanese guy who utilizes a method called hyper-tapping. Just apparently how Thor Eklund managed to get those high scores back in the day. You vibrate your finger on the D-pad instead of like holding it down. Oh. And that actually makes the pieces go faster from side to side. Who discovered this? Whoa. I suppose, Thor, yeah, it, yeah. Thor Eklund discovered it. That's how he won like the competition in 1990. Yeah, because if you just hold it down, mm. your base, your, um, it's how many, you, the D-pad is only sending that signal like, uh, uh, yeah, each uh, time. Uh, yeah. If you're tapping it, like, <laughs> yeah, it's moving it. Yeah, hyper-tapping. Yeah. Like, he got third place in this in 2016, but hasn't possibly because he's Japanese and the whole kind of time difference, the jet lag. Um, never actually been able to, like, kind of get right to the finals. Conditioning, but, man. Yeah. That's what yeah. it's about. But he should have, he should have arrived a week earlier, <laughs> got yeah. rid of his jet lag and gone straight into it. But he's been posting huge scores and, and as I say, number one seed for this in terms of the pregame mm. kind of thing. You have uh, Svavar Gunnar, sixth seed, Icelandic guy, is the European champion of Tetris. Uh, Jonas is coming in this in th- at third seed, number three. Alex Kerr, like two-time finalist, uh, number eight seed. Um, ben Mullen, the original kind of high score ben. guy, number ten seed. This guy called Zizix, who uh, basically kind of generally also known as Quaid, also known as Hauser. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. the Total Recall names. Oh, really? Uh, he's number nine seed, also been a finalist. But you also have kind of, and J- obviously Jonas is back, the number three Jonas seed. Jonas has got to come back, man. Well, like, he's um kind of got such a high position now. He's actually st- was streaming half the games on his own Twitch channel. I think he m- must have been a deal he worked out with the CTWC. Yeah. But, um, and then we also have a couple of newcomers. Kid, Japanese kid called Green Tea, calls himself Green Tea. Number two seed, 20-year-old Japanese Tetris Grandmaster, He's only, only been playing NES Tetris a year. Oh, wow. That makes you sick, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Could, could they not open up to like an underdog, like Rocky Star? Like you. He, well, he is he an is underdog. That, you, like, want, yeah. you, you want to get in there, don't He's you? He's literally been playing this a year, like, oh, and, man. you know, he plays with this big smile on his face. He's really animated. When, like, He's already a grandmaster, so he's done. Well, he, oh, he, yeah. was, he was like, a, he played grandmaster when he was a teenager, and he's just got onto this. Oh, okay. years. Yes. Is man. he called the Italian Stallion? He's time. called Green Tea. <laughs> oh. And, you know, like, he plays this big smile on his face. He's really animated when, yeah. like, they have the camera on him, which obviously endears him to the crowd. The number five C, this kid called Jason Saley, 16 years old. Oh, no. Also a hyper-tapper. Only started <laughs> playing Nes Tetris again in the past year or so, but managed to break the world record for lines in the last hour of qualifying for the tournament. Oh, God. <laughs> like, four days before the tournament's due to start. He, he and it's actually, this is, there's footage of all this stuff on YouTube. Mm. There's footage of this actual kind of session on YouTube. He maxes out, first of all. 
then manages to hit level 30 and just Mad. keeps going. Mad. He, gets, he gets level 31 and then no amazingly way, 32. 31. You can't, no, you what? can't get to, what? really? Is there, a, is there a limit? <laughs> they don't even exist in the game. No the game knows. had to make it up. But, no one knows. But this is right now the upper limit for Chet- 32. Level 32. And bear in mind, like, in 2010, 2011, people literally thought level 30 was impossible. That's mad. There are people who claim to to have got to level 30, but no one had ever seen footage of it. (laughs) Hogwash. Yeah. (laughs) But level 32. And, you know, I'm not going to kind of give away spoilers for who wins this year because, like, it is all available on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'd highly recommend kind of watching some I'm of the older stuff. Yeah, watch. I've, got, Rob, I've definitely got to watch some of this. Just to confirm, Rob, the documentary only uh, is one year. Is that fair? It's not the yeah. whole. Okay. No, it's just. Um, Was it the first one? Yeah. Yeah. It's in 2010. Mm. This is 2018. I mean, and now like it's so far advanced, man. The level of play is insane. I mean, basically to put it in perspective, we talk about the first score being, I think, five hundred yeah. like thirty, five hundred eighty, whatever thousand the first year. Mm. In this one, someone gets a score of 853,000 in the quarterfinals and loses oh, that game. That's Say just what? mad. Yeah. Um, but anyway, like, it's... It, actually, watching this stuff is mesmerizing. Mm, but I bet it is. But man, like, it's... I just find the whole concept of this so, so interesting because, to me, the fact this game is around for 20 years, this version of, like, Tetris was around for 20 years, and it wasn't until people actually got together... Uh, like, and actually sort of communicating with each other and mm. kind of, you know, talking about, oh, what can be done, what can't mm. be done. That, you know, the suddenly people start hitting these feats that even the best players, you know, almost every best player, like in the entire world, thought was impossible. Yeah. Took people coming together to push it forward. And then, you know, it kind of starts being broadcast and keep, starts kind of coming into a bit, like a larger number of people. And then suddenly there is a new generation coming up who actually take it somewhere further. Like to, you know, to a level where, you know, where people thought was impossible. I, I don't know. That to me, I just find it mind blowing. It is mind blowing, isn't it? I mean, for a game that we, grew, well, I grew up with, I, you know, had it when I was like nine yeah, years old. Yeah, we all did. Yeah. And it, now it's kind of, it's still evolving as a. Yeah, you know, so like 16 year old kids are coming in. It's mad. It's yeah. great. Blowing away the scores from, great. you know, what everyone thought was the limit, really. Mm. Yeah, for sure. But like, and part of it is they can see the strategies like of the best players. And mm. what's interesting is that a lot of the p- top players have different styles. Like traditionally, like yeah, Harry Hong would be kind of getting going, like pressing the D pad down, racking up the slightly extra points. Like you know, just kind of racking up these huge scores that people had to chase. Like on the other hand, you have someone like Jonas, who like just he it's like he's got a sixth sense for mm. like what's what can fit in where and. Like, we'll just kind of go into these, you know, make what seems to be a wrong move. Then two or three moves later, you go, oh. <laughs> and just like these kind of players who will kind of be able to get a piece almost to the bottom at like this insanely high level of speed and just turn it. So it kind of goes in Mad. like a T-square kind yeah. of turn. You, Rob, do you have a character? Is, is there one you really support the most? Is there one you think, yeah, I like this guy the most? Um, I like Jonas, actually. Like, he's, um, I like the fact he wears a jacket when he plays as opposed to, <laughs> The sea of like t-shirts and hoodies, and he seems quite you know gregarious. And but it seems like there's kind of a really good spirit amongst all the people there. Like they get together and like have a few drinks afterwards, and you know this footage of that now coming up on YouTube. It just feels like there's this proper kind of community that's grown up around this. Nice. Yeah. Plus, nice. you like the Jonas Brothers, so win-win. 
Yeah. <laughs> it is kind of amazing though the game like Tetris. You think about other competitive sports, say like the fighting game tournaments and stuff. You can, you know, in Street Fighter, you have a different character, and the different characters have their own styles. And then you might be someone who plays more defensive, more counter-attacking, or somebody who just goes for it from the start. With Tetris, you wouldn't think there's so many different strategies you could use, oh, like what we're saying. You know, I can't wait to see them all. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to watch some of this. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, the other interesting thing is, obviously, Tetris has evolved since then. Like, mm. there's all, I think Tetris Puyo Puyo came out, like, um, a, a few months back, last year, or whatever, where basically, like, you can switch between Tetris and Puyo Puyo, or, like, play. That's mad. Yeah. And, like, obviously, the more kind of stuff that you do, <coughs> the more kind of lines you clear, or, like, kind of combos you do, yeah. the more it gets higher on the other person's screen. But at the same time, you still have this incredibly basic version of Tetris that people are still, yeah. Competing against and kind of, you know, taking to new levels. Mm. Such a simple game with just so many, excuse the pun, levels, you know. Mm. The man that invented Tetris, what is he thinking right now? He uh, occasionally actually gives um, an opening message going like, so glad that, you know, like people still doing this game has brought so many people together. Aww. I just hope he gets royalties. Well, I don't mm, think he... I wouldn't count on it. Mm. He gets a good pat on the back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That put food <laughs> on his table. And the royalties are still going to the... <laughs> So going to the Russian government. KGB. Yeah, Tetris is funding the KGB. (laughs) Yeah, but anyway, as I say, like, um, kind of come at the end now. But all the stuff is on YouTube. The Mm. whole like kind of classic Tetris World Championship. It's definitely got us interested. I think. Yeah, I'll see if I can stick in a cheeky link in the podcast notes. By the time this comes out, like they've they've pasted this year. By the time this this is actually broadcast, Mm. um, everything will be on there. And man, like, I'd heavily recommend. If you're listening, watching this because just I, just, I don't know, it's just great seeing good people really good at something do really well at it. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else, you can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK, at Keith Barlow82, and at Arcade underscore Adriano. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Arcade Attack UK. Please check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness, interviews, reviews, features, top 10s, etc. And you can also find all our previous podcasts there. Our podcasts are available to stream from the website and are available to download for free from Stitcher, Podbean and iTunes, where you can also leave us a review and a rating, which we would really, really appreciate. So until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.